Listen, so tonight we are wrapping up our open book series of talks, and, and we're going to be looking at a guy named Daniel. Everybody say Daniel. Daniel, his life was pretty crazy. And just like Daniel, I want to challenge you guys to not give in to what culture tells you and to stay faithful in your relationship with, with Christ. So today's world, it can really, really challenge us in our faith. So it's so important that we're, we stay strong because fitting in, we probably have learned this in our lives, that fitting in is a lot easier than standing out. But God didn't call us simply to fit in. He didn't call us to be just like everyone else. He didn't call us to fit in, to look like everyone else, to talk like everyone else, to act like everyone else, to do the things that everyone else does. God calls us to stand out and to be different. And so I think, honestly, I think a lot of people, most people, they really deep down inside, even if you're an introvert, I think a lot of people really want to stand out a little bit. I think a lot of people really have that desire to stand out, and, and I don't think we actually do because fitting in is way easier than standing out. We always want the easy way out. We all, we, a lot of times we run from difficult things or facing difficult things. We want the easy way to do things. So like, how else do you explain for me and my life um, bleach, blonde hair, and puka shell necklaces? Let's take a journey back with me. Take a journey back to the year 2000, before any of you guys were born. And uh, this is Kristen and I. That was 99. The year 99. Still, before any of you guys were born. Um, before I had any kind of decent facial hair. Um, and, my, and actually, when I had hair, let's talk about that. We're going to talk about that tonight. Uh, and uh, this was us in our dating years. And uh, we look like babies, right? Yeah. Uh, and so, and I don't know if you can see in the picture, but we both have different colors, puka shell necklaces. You may not know about what puka shell necklaces. Um, like you may laugh now, but next summer, next summer, I'm calling it, next summer is blonde hair and puka shell necklaces. Like, it's, it's Puka Shell Summer 2022. Like, that's my prophecy. I, I got to grow hair. I don't have hair. If you bleach, it'll just blend in with the rest of my head. So I might as well just shave my head at that point. So, so but though, listen, listen, listen. Back in my day, when I was in high school, which was a long time ago, it was, the style was, was um, a slim cut Abercrombie and Fitch polo shirt with the collar popped, right? You don't know, you don't even know about a pop collar. With the pop collar and with big baggy jeans, like wide, wide leg jeans, big baggy jeans, and my puka shell necklace, right? And if you're really cool, which most people were, you wore, if you were a dude, you wore Eternity Cologne by Calvin Klein, right? Which every single guy wore, and all the girls would say, oh my gosh, Jeremy, you smell so good. And I'm like, well, thanks. I smell like every other guy in our grade. And haven't you noticed that's why your nose is bleeding and why my eyes are watering and we all have a headache? But, but hey, at least we all fit in, Right? We all look the same. We all smell the same. Even, even smell the same, act the same, talk the same, 
bleached our hair, wore puka shell necklaces, and that we all fit in. But fitting in, you, we can remove that. I'm tired of looking at that. <laughs> okay, so, but I want you to know tonight that fitting in is a lot easier than standing out. Fitting in is so much easier than standing out. That's why we tend to, to, to talk like the people that we put ourselves around. Like, have you ever noticed, like when you're around certain people, you start to pick up their accents, right? Or maybe you have that friend who took a vacation to Europe for the summer, and all of a sudden they, for, they come home sipping tea in the afternoon, and they talk real proper. Yeah, great, the bun. Like, anyways, and, or the, the people that you spend your, your time around, are the people that you, you kind of pick up their accents, you kind of pick up their mannerisms, you kind of pick up the things that they say, the things that they do, like your friend who went to Hawaii in January and they come home saying, aloha to everyone. That was me. I'm not even Hawaiian. I was like, aloha. I walked in the office the other week and I said, Deborah, aloha. And she's like, aloha. She gets the language. She knows. She was there. So like when I'm around people though, like, like when I, I'm from Oklahoma, I grew up in Oklahoma, and when I'm around like Southern people, I start to say y'all, right? I heard Gabby say it tonight. Gabby said y'all. How many of you guys say y'all? Anybody say y'all? She's from Fort Osage. Yeah. Because here's the deal. Saying y'all is way more efficient than saying you all, right? It's way more efficient. And, and like, when, though when I'm, when I'm around Southern people or in the South, like I, I add a little uh, Southern twang to everything. Like, y'all want to go to church? Like, or y'all want to go out to eat? And, anyways, <laughs> and, and like, or, or though, you, you, when the people that you're around, you start to act like or you start to be around like those people. So like when I'm around a group of pastors or around a group of other youth pastors, I, I tend to sound a little bit more spiritual. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But maybe I pray a little bit longer for meals or when I'm around uh, a lot of my friends who cuss a lot, I start to speak God's truth over their lives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I pray for their gosh darn souls. Um, but... That was dumb. But fitting in is a lot easier than standing out. Fitting in with everyone else around you is a lot easier than standing out. And here's what I've learned over the years, that most people are like chameleons. You guys know what a chameleon is, right? It's a little creepy lizard, and and it blends in. It changes its pigment to match the environment that it's around. A lot of people are like chameleons. Wherever they go, they change to that environment. We do that as Christians, right? A lot of us do that as Christians. We come to church. We stand up front. We're like, praise God. I love you, Lord. I love you, Jesus. Maybe we pray. Maybe we spend some time with God. And then we go to the football game on Friday night. And we're like, we're going to kick their blankety-blank rears. And we use football language. Or we, we go hang out with that group of people. And we act like and we talk like and we do the things like those, that group of people. We conform or we blend in or we're like chameleons to the people that we put ourselves around. We start to look and act just like everyone else because fitting in is easier than standing out. So tonight, if you brought your Bible, we're going to look in the book of Daniel 6. We're going to start in verse 19. So before we read this, let me kind of give you a little setup of what's going on in in, uh, what we're about to read. So Daniel, uh, he was taken prisoner uh, from the nation of Israel and he was brought to Babylon. 
And he was made to serve there. He was made to live there. He was made to fit in to the environment, to the people around him. And, um, and so here's the deal, though. Daniel, he was so good. Daniel was so good. He was such a good man of God. He was so good that he rose among the ranks to be one of the top leaders in Babylon. So like, here's the deal. Like, so like if the king wasn't available, if the king wasn't available, Daniel was running the show. That's how good he was. That's how important he was. And theologians say that when they first brought Daniel to Babylon, that Daniel was only about 16 years old. And that's what theologians say, that he was about the age of a lot of you guys. He was only about 16 years old when he was taken to Babylon. And when I was 16, I was wearing puka shell necklaces and getting into trouble. But somehow, Daniel in Babylon, he was the most, and in the city of Babylon, it was like the most dominant, the most lawless, the most sexualized, the most crime-ridden, like, and, and one of the most cities like that. And, and somehow... Daniel, through all of that and, and being in all of that, he was still able to hold on to his faith in, in, in the midst of a world of temptation. His behaviors continued to match his beliefs. And that's what I want to challenge you with tonight. Your behaviors need to continually match your beliefs. See, we live in a post-Christian world. And what that means is, is there are a lot of people, like when, when I grew up in church, a lot of, uh, of us older ones in the room, like if you were a Christian, a lot of people knew it, uh, and you, a lot of people were familiar with church, a lot of people knew about church, and maybe even God, and all those kinds of things. But now our culture, our world is starting to be more and more post-Christian. There's so many students, so many people in your generation, you ask them what they believe, and they simply say none. Like, I, there, there's, I don't know what to believe. There's nothing to believe. We live in a post-Christian world, and, and that's the world that we live in. And, and um, it's no longer normal to follow Jesus. And, and in many places, Christians aren't seen as, as different or weird. Like even back in my day, Christians were even seen as a little bit different or a little bit weird. Now Christian are, Christians are looked at as part of the problem. And this is where we live. This is the world. This is the culture that we live in. And, and here's what I'm not saying tonight. I'm not saying that we totally separate ourselves and we start our own little Christian community out in the hills, out in the woods, and we retreat from a culture that disagrees from you. Like, let's stay away from the sinners so we don't, we don't rub off on us. That's not what I'm saying. Like, you, you can do that and, and try to keep your integrity, but it would... It, it, what that will do is it'll cost you your influence. See, there's a chance that, um, there's not a chance that this church, me, my family, us, there's not a chance that we'll ever do that because too many people need Jesus. Our calling is to be in the world, but not of the world. We need to be a light in the world for the sake of the world. See, Daniel's problem is that the other leaders in Babylon, they were jealous haters. Like, how many of you guys know a hater in your life? Don't point at him. Don't, don't point at him. Uh, uh, the, these guys, did you point at me? No, I was there. Okay. I think we all know some of those people. So, so what happened, though, these guys, they tried to trick 
um, the king into, actually, they did trick the king into making a law that was against what Daniel believed. Like this, this law was that no one could pray to anyone or anything but the king. And, and if they did, they're going to be killed. So they got this law put into place. They got this law put into action that if anyone was caught praying to anyone or anything else other than the king, then you were going to be killed. You were going to be put to death. So sure enough, Daniel, he was faithful. He was faithful to his God. And, and, um, and Daniel continued to pray, but he didn't pray to the king. He didn't pray to the king, and it, and it was God, and, and Daniel got caught because they knew that he was going to be praying. These guys were trying to set him up. Now, the king couldn't, all of a sudden, the king, he actually loved Daniel. He loved him so much, but now that the king made this law, the king had to follow up on this law. So the king, they had, they had to throw Daniel into the lion's den. They had a whole big old pit dug full of lions, and they were throwing him in there to be killed. And the king loved Daniel. So here's where we're going to start reading. Uh, verse 19. It says this. Very early in the morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish. This was already after Daniel had been thrown in the lion's den. And already after he had been there overnight, the king was running out there and he got there and he hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you serve faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouths so they would not hurt me. For I've been found innocent in his sight and I have not wronged you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed, and he ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in his God. Then the king gave orders to arrest the men who, who maliciously accused Daniel. He had them thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children, and the lions leaped on them and tore them apart before they even hit the floor of the den. Verse 25, then King Darius sent this message to the people of every race, every nation, every language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and during the reign of Cyrus the Persian. See, I don't know about you, but I don't know what I would have done in the lion's den. Like being thrown in the lion's den, like I would probably um, curl up in the fetal position and cry a lot. And and in the corner and and like, but that's not how Daniel's story happened. That's not how it went down. And it wasn't just just Daniel, but it was just it was because Daniel's ability to pursue God because of and because of his ability to continue to serve God because of he continued to serve God no matter what laws, no matter what decrees, no matter what was happened and what went on. Daniel continued to serve God, and because of that. Daniel, through Daniel, God changed the entire kingdom. Like, students, you need to learn this tonight. I want you to catch this tonight. Your personal pursuit will determine your public influence. 
Your personal pursuit of God will determine your public influence. That's what happened with Daniel. See, what Daniel did behind closed doors showed up when the world was watching. Daniel's private life, how he worshiped God, how he prayed, how he spent time with God, it showed up when the world was watching. What Daniel did behind closed doors changed a nation. I want to ask you this tonight. What what shows up when the world's watching you? What shows up when the world sees your life? Are you just like everyone else? Do you stand out? Are you different? Or do you just look just the same as everyone else? Like, what is your pursuit? What are you pursuing? What do you pursue in your personal time? Because whatever you pursue in your personal time will show up when the world's watching. This year here at Emerge, our, our theme is 167. We've, we haven't talked about it in a little bit, but I want to remind us what this is all about. Our theme is 167 because there are 168 hours in a week. We get roughly one of them right here at Emerge. And every single Wednesday night at Emerge, we're going to offer uh, four things every single time. We're going to have the word. We're going to have worship. We're going to have prayer. And we're going to have godly community. And these four things are vital to your life. And if the only time you get these four things is right here for an hour on Wednesday night, then your life isn't going to be different. Your life isn't going to make a difference for the kingdom of God. You, you need to, in your own time, just like Daniel, in his prayer time, in his worship time, in his words, spending time with godly people, it, it showed in his life because he didn't only do those things uh, uh, when he went to church. He, didn't, he did those things throughout his life, and it made a difference in the world around him. That's the 167. So what, what you're doing in the, what are you doing in the 167 the whole rest of the week to add those things to your life? How are you changing your life? How are you putting God into your everyday life? Matthew 6, verse 6, it says this, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you in public. That's so powerful because your personal pursuit of God in the secret place, in the quiet place, in those moments, like we have these moments here, but this isn't secret. It's definitely not quiet and it's loud in here, but those per, that personal pursuit that you have, maybe at home, in your bedroom, when you're praying, maybe in your car, those of you guys who drive, maybe that wor- those worship moments, that's, that's, those are my worship moments when I'm driving down the road and worshiping God. Maybe, and when, maybe your godly community, it might be our, our girls group or our guys groups or your fam time or the people that you put yourself around. Are those four things in your life? Do you have a godly community? Do you have worship in your life? Do you have, uh, the, are you putting the word into your life and are you spending time with God in prayer? Daniel cared more about his pursuit of God than he did for his whole life. He put that more of a priority than, than following the rules and the laws put out there by the king. See, with Daniel, he wasn't trying to get the world take, to take notice of him. He was trying to get God to take notice of him. There's nobody who can increase your level of influence like God when you pursue him in private. Not one person can increase your level of influence like God can. My prayer is like, God, I want my personal influence to reflect, I want my personal pursuit to reflect my public influence. And I want you to know this, one of the greatest attacks that the enemy has on your life is making you choose between your life and your God. 
That's one of his greatest attacks on your life. He's making you choose between your life and your God. Daniel chose his God. And because of that, they threw him in the pit. They threw him in with the lions. And the Bible says that angels showed up on the scene and they shut the mouths of the lions. The angels show up and the lions are like, nope, not going there. Not touching that guy, not doing that. I'm just going to lick my paw. Like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing it. I'm, just, I'm good over here by the wall. Like, I, I could imagine that Daniel, um, the, well, the Bible points out that Daniel even shouts for joy because the angels show up and they shut the mouths of the lions. And I could imagine the people outside of the lions even like, oh, he's screaming already. Oh. They're ripping him apart. I can imagine that, that Daniel's just laying there, and he's laying back on one of the lions as a headrest, and he's covering up his feet with the fur of a different lion, and a different lion's bringing him a pumpkin spice latte because it's pumpkin spice latte season, people. Amen? <laughs> but listen, what would have happened if Daniel would have given in? What would have happened if he would have given up praying to God and if he would have bowed down to the king? He would have lost his influence. He, he would have given up so much just to bow down, just to be just like everyone else. But because he didn't, because he continued to follow God in his private pursuit of God, God showed up for him when he needed the most. And in this world, every single one of you guys in this room, when you're being pulled in all sorts of directions, what's going to come out of you is that time spent with God. That's what's going to show through. See, one of, the, one, of the greatest, um, one of the greatest things the enemy will bring against you is to make you choose between your social life, your relationship life, your identity life, and, and if God is really in your life. See, we have a choice to make, and we've got some things to figure out when it comes to being an open book. I think a lot of times, um, some, of us, <clears throat> some of us struggle showing up to God in our lives because we've forgotten we struggle with God showing up in our lives because we've forgotten what it's like to show up to him or because we don't show up to him. So tonight, to a group of people right here in this room, to you right here in this room, people who are called, people who are created to do more than just to exist on this earth <clears throat> and breathe to death. Like, I want us to, to decide together tonight to pursue God no matter what. That's what we've been talking about with this 167, the, the four things, the word, worship, prayer, and community. Those aren't four things that should only take place right here in this room. Those are things that should be taking place in your home, around your friends, in, in your community, in your bedroom. The, the Being close to God isn't just something that happens right here in this room on a Wednesday night or a Sunday at church. It's something that needs to continually happen throughout your life. And, and if you want to, in your life, shut the mouths of the lions in your life, you have to be willing to pursue God in the 167. See, the Bible says this in 1 Peter 5, 8. It says, the enemy, talking about the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for somebody to devour. So what he does is he tries to stun people with his roar. And here's the deal. It works. And what we do is we seize up and we do nothing. I want to ask you tonight, like, how many lions are you going to believe before you start living with the power of God in your life? 
Like how, how many times is the devil going to roar in your life and, and, to, and you're going to hear you're not worth it. You're not loved. You're unaccepted. Like, what are you even doing here? Like, who, who do you think you are? God's not going to change your life. How many times do we just give up and throw up our hands and say, you know what, you're right. But God says, and he wants you to know tonight, that he has shut the mouths of the lions in your life. He has shut the mouths. I've shut the mouth of fear. He shut the mouth of insecurity. He shut the mouths of toxic relationships, the mouths of being needy for other people's attentions, uh, other people's attention. He's called you to be powerful. He's called you to be full of purpose. He's called you to be holy. He's called you to be strong. He's called you to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. I want to ask you tonight, who are you going to believe? Are you going to be the, believe the roaring lions shouting in your life? Are you going to believe the God that shuts the mouths of the lions? So tonight, as our personal pursuit begins, you need to tell God that there are some lions shouting really loud in your life. There, you need to tell God that there are some mouths that need to be shut. Maybe the lion of my past who's always reminding me of the mistakes that I made and the person that I was. Maybe it's the mouth of insecurity who's always held me back from doing great things. Maybe it's the mouth of the lion of fear. Maybe it's the mouth of self-image. Maybe it's the mouth of anxiety and doubt. Whatever is roaring really loud in your life, I want you to know that that's the enemy and he's lying to you and it's not true. It's time to stop believing those lies. Tonight, let's shut the mouths of those lions in our lives.